Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast, where we take a look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And my name is Chad Ozy. Uh, I work in college women's basketball, college baseball, serve as a coordinator, and I am joined here with NCAA Division I postseason <laughs> official, uh, Jeff Cross. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Let's uh, be perfectly clear. Postseason is not every year. <laughs> you know, it's never guaranteed, right? Yeah, so. but once you've done it, you get to claim the title. That's oh, my philosophy on I, life, right? Like once that. once it's happened, boom, it's in the resume forever. I like that. You can so never then, take it out. With, by your logic, then, I am Jeff Cross, the husband of 30 years that never does his dishes on time. <laughs> <laughs> Person, Gina told you you're not allowed to say always or never. Always or never or breathe or drink. Yeah. I mean, she has a list. (laughs) And I know you're listening, honey, so I hope you're laughing. (laughs) Jeff and I are both very fortunate. Both of our wives are faithful listeners to what we do. We're not totally sure if that's so that... uh, uh, they can get the information or they can just keep tabs on what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, but we're very thankful for their support. That's for sure. I'm going to go with tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, we were talking earlier before we started about some ways that people can contact us and stay connected with us. You want to let people know about that? Yeah, man. Listen, if you're on Apple podcast, we need a rating. A five star rating would be great. And if you could just take a few extra seconds and give us a review on that same uh, platform right there, just scroll down a little bit more and write a quick review. It really helps out with the algorithm. Um, it shoots our podcast when when people search certain words, our podcast will come up. So if you could do that, it'd be great. And also, if you have any questions, uh, comments, ideas, um, criticisms, whatever that may be complaints <laughs> uh we want you to send those emails to the uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com that's right uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you in fact we did our uh, listener questions um podcast that came out uh not too long ago and it's been one of our our most listened to podcasts mm-hmm. and so we know that it's good for us to get questions from you because then we're responding to things that you'd actually like to hear about. Mm-hmm. And there are things that we like to talk about, but it doesn't always mean that you would like to hear about them. Truth, yeah. So, uh, so we're, uh, we're always looking for new ideas and new critiques as we attempt to make this something that helps us all have an uncommon drive towards yeah. success. Yeah. We want to hear from you guys. Absolutely. You know, Jeff, this has been a crazy start of the season for me. In fact, I talked with an official just yesterday who said it's the first time in his career that he has been looking forward to Thanksgiving just for a break. (laughs) You know, like normally we're thinking that around Christmas or maybe you get to the end of the season. You're Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm ready just to have a little bit of a break. And he's like, no, I already need a break. Um, my season has been crazy. I've, I've already worked, um, I, I've been really fortunate. I've worked a ton of college games. 
uh, college women's basketball games up to this point. And with the exception of one game, one game, I have had each and every game be a one possession game Mm. with less than one minute in the game. Mm. What that means is if you see my name on your crew list for your game on Arbiter, Blue Zebra, Referee (laughs) Schedule, Horizon Web Ref, whatever whatever assigning (laughs) software you're on, you need to come down with something Mm. and call your assigner and say, move me off that game because Chad gets gets these crazy games. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we joke around about that because those are, those are high pressure situations. Mm. You know, I, I had a game just last night where it's a tie game with 20 seconds left and it's a two point game with 4.6 seconds left and people on the free throw line, mm. uh, and multiple advancements at the end of the game. And, you know, the baseball guys can identify with this, you know, you got a two, two game in the bottom of the ninth and it seems like it's happening over and over and over, um, when we hit these pressure moments, big games, high intensity games, whatever term you want to give to them, uh, we're fooling ourselves if we think it's it's not just a little bit different than just working the normal mm. 12, 15 point game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that you you hit the nail on the head. We first of all have to be prepared at all times for the tie ball game. We should expect it every night. And if it doesn't show up, it doesn't show up. That's fine. But if you you got to prepare yourself for those times when they do, and if they show up uh, four out of the seven nights you work, then you're ready for them. Um, biggest biggest mistake you can make is just assume going in, oh, this is one against 15, it's going to be a blowout. Well, that is not true because otherwise they wouldn't play them. That's right. <laughs> they would just say it, game's played on paper, we don't need any referees. You know, you never know some kid's going to be hot and make, you know, 10 out of 15 three-pointers, whatever that might be. So, yeah, be prepared for the close ball game at all times. You know, and I think a lot of times, especially when we get into the conference season, mm-hmm. and then definitely as we move towards postseason, we anticipate games like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we we all get our schedule at the beginning of the year and we immediately go and look at who's playing who and which games might be good games and that kind of thing. And so we, we anticipate that higher uh, level of intensity happening as we move through the season. Most of the time, the beginning of the season, we're looking at a little bit more lopsided matchups. Mm-hmm. Teams are trying to, to find an easier matchup to play early in non-conference season so that they can kind of get their feet under them. And mm-hmm. and we as officials sometimes use that as a chance to get our feet under us. Um, even coordinators, I'll tell you, as a baseball coordinator, uh, if I've got somebody brand new to my league, I'm going to try to put them on a game that I think probably won't be that close a game mm. just so they can have a great, easy entry into my league. And I know there are a ton of basketball coordinators that do the same thing. You know, your first Division One game might be a non-conference game between a Division One school and a Division Two school, mm-hmm. where it's it's a high likelihood that it's going to be a thirty-point or greater ball game. Right. And again, they don't do that saying that you can't handle a big game. They're just giving you the opportunity to get your feet wet and be acclimated and comfortable, and coaches be able to see you and and set you up for success is really what they're trying to do. Well, you know it. You walk in your first time working a Division One ball game. You know it's it's already a pretty nerve wracking approach. <laughs> you know you're going to spend two hours just trying to figure out where the scoreboards are at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like where do they put those files at around this place? You know, <laughs> where you know all this stuff and and that's it's a must for us officials to be able to go into these these early season games. We'll call them that. Um, chances are are going to work out the way everyone thinks it is. But um, I, I do want to share a little story with you um, just because it's it's pretty close to me right now. We, as officials, as, as veteran officials, we have to take the opportunity to to nurture and help younger officials along, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we say younger, right? Newer. Sure. It may be newer to officiating or just maybe newer to that level or sure. that conference. Right, sure. newer to that league, whatever that might be. So... Um, as many of you who listen may or may not remember uh, Lachey Hobson. Mm-hmm. So Lachey Hobson, uh, she passed away this past 
uh, late, off season. Yeah, well, she passed away right at the end of the, uh, the regular season, so right in the March, late February. I apologize for not knowing the exact date, but she she, she was a Chicago official, and she spent a lot of time, you know, helping other young officials. Um, but I had the pleasure of being able to work her first Missouri Valley game with her. Um, and what I did was, you know, congratulated her, you know, all those things. And then we got, it was at actually at Bradley University. And when we walked in, um, I opened the door and held it for Lachey. And I said, welcome to the Valley. Mm. Right. You know, yeah. as she walks into these big lights and things like that. I say all that to say I had the same opportunity just this last week to do the same thing. Oh, how fun. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, obviously honoring Lachey over her service in officiating. Um, I had another new official. It, we, same thing, still at Bradley. Hmm. And it was it was uh, this official's first time, first Division One game ever. So, obviously, they've been efficient for a while, but this was their first one. And I opened up that door, and the lights came on, and I said, welcome to the Valley. So, take those opportunities. I, I know we're going to talk about a different subject, but I, take those opportunities to create those memories for people um, so they can take them with them, and then they can do that themselves with other newer officials. Absolutely. You know, so as we look at this idea of – close games you know i'm, I'm not going to say big games because every game's a big game right? right every game's a big game for the people that are on the court yeah but when we are in close games i, I mentioned my game last night i pre-gamed with our crew knowing the two teams knowing the coaches knowing where the programs were as far as whether they're rebuilding or or you know moving up or mm. whatever i said you know there's a chance that this game could be close mm. and I think we were a tie game at halftime. So we obviously were correct in <laughs> assuming that it might be a close game. And so, you know, when when you go into halftime in a close game, you talk differently than if it's a 15-point spread at halftime. Um, when, when you move through that game, there are things that you do differently. So, Jeff, you, you've been doing this a while, and I have seen you in some big, big games, in some close games, in some knockdown, drag-out, war kind of games. You know, what are the things that are important for us to remember as officials about working tight ball games? Yeah, the, the number one phrase that comes to mind – in working any ball game, but most importantly, tight ball games, slow and steady wins the race. Okay. Um, we need to find when when the tension is high. You know, if, if we're going to put numbers on things, tension being the most tense there is at a ten, and okay. one meaning I'm asleep. Right. The tension is high. We have to find a way to not just. I don't want to say slow it down, but we got to find opportunities to give everyone a chance to breathe, mm. including yourself. So whether that be, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the story of watching Kevin Korkenauer. I don't know if he'll remember this story or not, but I watched him in, a, in an intense high school basketball game. I was like working the JV game, so I stuck around and watched the varsity game. And this baby was this. This thing was a hot mess. <laughs> it was intense. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Kokenauer decided, with about 30 seconds to go, getting ready to shoot free throws, that now, or maybe getting ready to inbound, inbound the ball, now is the perfect time to ask for a towel and wipe the ball off. Hmm. And I'm thinking, this is exactly what the game needed right now. Everyone, just a chance to, to relax here. And you know I don't necessarily use that tactic, but I do. Um, I do find myself slowing, uh, slowing myself down, slowing the process down. If I'm if I'm the lead, and I'm administering the ball for free throws, you know I I, I might literally visually check everyone at the free throw line and make sure I have white, black, white, you know whatever that may be, and I've got the right shooter at the line and all those things, and I'll double and triple check it, and I'll back out, and I'll look at it again, and I'm still, you know, just being a little bit more drawn out before we continue. Uh, other things I do is, like, if if the the visiting team 
brings in a sub. And I typically do this throughout the game almost all the time, but I definitely do it in close ball games. If White brings in a sub, the next thing I do is look to Black's bench Mm -hmm. to see if they want to bring in a sub. Even though that sub is in and we could be potentially playing, nothing makes a coach more anxious than not feeling like they don't have the proper matchups in. Mm-hmm. And in a close ball game, we always want the proper match. We always want them anyway as, as an official, as, a, as, as someone who is um, a, being a service to the game. We want all the proper players in the game that the coaches want, and we want the same thing. So those are just things I do to help give it another beat before plays, before we continue on into the live action per se. And I think those those things can help us continue with a slow and steady wins the race mindset. I, I like I like that idea that slow and steady and, and you know what I heard you say is that it's not your job to slow down the game. Mm-hmm. Right? The game has to dictate the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. But it is our responsibility as officials to look for ways to let people breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that's happening during dead ball circumstances. Now, real quick, let's talk about times that we can't let them breathe, okay, by rule. Um, we're, we're not going to turn a 30-second timeout into a 45-second timeout. I've yeah. seen people do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it's a big moment. I'm going to give them lots of extra time in their huddle. Mm-hmm. Well, except that if I have one team busting out when they're supposed to and we allow the other team 15 extra seconds, we've just given them an unfair advantage right right we we can't do that Mm -hmm. we're not going to turn a minute timeout into a you know minute 30 Mm -hmm. it's it's not going to happen um so there we are still limited by the the rules and mechanics that we have to follow Mm -hmm. but there is nothing in the mechanics manual that says how long or how quickly i have to put the ball at the disposal of a free thrower Mm -hmm. right and so in a big game if i normally bounce the ball twice before I hand it to them. And, and now we're in a moment where it's a tie ball game with, you know, 28 seconds left. I may bounce it four times, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there are a couple reasons why slow and steady wins the race, as I've kind of heard you share. Number one is that it's easy to miss little things when big things seem huge. Mm. Okay. So we all know there's big things that are big things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big fouls are big fouls. Well, in a two-point ball game, a big foul is a huge foul, Mm -hmm. right? So because we want to get all the big things. In fact, we'll even even pull everybody together and say, hey, guys, high certainty calls. Make sure it's there. We use that kind of language, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking for those big things. Those big things now become huge because I'm focused on the big and huge. Sometimes the little slips through the cracks. Mm. And maybe that little is the fact that I have people lined up incorrectly on the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Maybe the incorrect is we're getting ready to inbound to the wrong team coming out of a timeout, Mm. right? Because that's just something that we assume is going to be done correctly. That's why I call it little, not that it's not a big thing, sure, but that's just something that naturally happens in a game. The right team runs over, stands out of bounds, you hand them the ball and they throw the ball in. But we've all seen that moment where all of a sudden the wrong team gets the ball. Well, and, you know, the natural part of the game is five people come out to play from each team. Yep. But if we don't count them, guess what? I would even take it a little bit further and say that small mistake can turn into a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, give the, if I give, if I don't pay attention to that little thing and now I make this mistake, it's become a huge problem with a minute to go in a one-point ball game. Absolutely. If, if we have a technical foul for six players on the floor, we know that should never happen. That is always on us as officials to count. Now, ultimately, it's the coach's responsibility to make sure they have the right amount of people on the floor. But we all know, if you've mm-hmm. been officiating more than a couple months, we always want to count the right amount of players, right? Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. If that happens in a 30-point blowout, nobody cares, mm-hmm. right? I mean, somebody may say, well, that was a boneheaded mistake or whatever, mm-hmm. but nobody cares, you have that happen in a two-point ball game with 40 seconds left in the game, 
I promise you, everybody cares. Mm, yeah. Everybody yeah. cares. You're on a highlight reel somewhere. That's right. So, <laughs> so one of the reasons we want to be slow and steady is because it's easy to miss the little things when big things seem huge. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I heard you say there is that slow and steady wins the race because a, a chance to breathe helps de-escalate tension. Yeah, well, you know, as we say, as we've said for weeks now, right, you know, everything can have momentum to it. Everything is contagious. So if the boulder starts rolling down the hill, and if we can't get that boulder to stop, we have to find a way at minimum to slow it down. And by, you know, taking those, getting those moments, instead of letting that ball just keep on rolling down the hill, Let's take those moments, free throws, inbounds, whatever that is, subs, to slow the boulder down. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you got to stop it. You just have to slow it down so it's more controllable. Because the rock's going to roll down the hill whether you like it or not. We just we're hoping to try and control how fast it does go down the hill. You know, and we we do those things in as we talked about in the free throws. But you know, how about just a few extra comments to the person who's inbounding the ball? You know, hey, thanks for coming over here. Um, sorry I had to make you move. You know, those kind of things. I, I appreciate you, you know, coming over here. I appreciate you getting your team out. All those things which help our relationship with players and coaches, but also slow the boulder down just a little bit so we can potentially control it from just, you know, being this aimless avalanche coming down the hill. You know, Jeff, what I'm kind of hearing you saying is that this is kind of about the ordinary things that we deal with in the course of a game, right? Yeah, and I heard this quote the other day. So excellence is doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. Oh. So it's not just the fact that we're doing the ordinary stuff. It's that we're being uncommon and that we're taking it next level. Mm -hmm. We're going up with it. So... I've heard you say before, you know, when, when you have to ask somebody, they, they want to inbound the ball under the basket and you got to move them out to the LDB mark, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, thanks so much for moving. Mm-hmm. Or, or would you please move over here, yeah. right? Um, if, if all I do is point at the spot, that's, that's ordinary. That's mm-hmm. what most people do. That's common, right? Mm-hmm. We just point at the spot, we wait for them to move. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I take that ordinary thing and I amp it up just a little bit, Hey, do you mind moving over here, please? Mm-hmm. Not only does that maybe take a beat longer now because mm-hmm. I've had to communicate, mm-hmm. but now that player has kind of been snapped into reality, right? Because they've been communicated with. Yep. They're now most likely going to respond back, whether it's just a, a head nod or even just the movement. Mm-hmm. The movement mm-hmm. is a response to what I've asked, right? And again, it, it de-escalates. Well, it creates a human connection. Right. Think about this. If just just if you if y'all could just picture this. We're under the basket and the player who's getting ready to inbound the ball is preparing to inbound the ball. If anybody has played the game or watched the game at all, what are they doing? They're looking at their teammates to figure out who potentially could be open, what defense are they playing, you know, and their and their this intensity is is real. Yep. I say to them, excuse me, I just need you to be on the sideline because the, the travel happened over here. Can, I don't, can you just come over here for me, please? All of a sudden, that that is their mind is clear for just a second. Mm-hmm. And their boulder has slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the intensity, it, I'm sure the intensity is still there, but their, their, their opportunity to take a breath and perform to, at their best has, has, has became sharper for them because it's the boulder is under control. Just a simple ask like that can change someone's, just what they're thinking about in general. And not that they won't go back to it. They're obviously going to go back to it, but it's just more controllable. And I, I, I'm going to put this in as a story of mine that I didn't realize even worked until I did it. There was a time where the coach was upset with one of my partners about call or lack of doesn't make any difference. Sure. And in a high intensity game. So 
of course, they are, they, there was a timeout, and they are, you know, this coach is still very much upset with this official. They come out of the timeout, they're still worked up. They start to go towards this official to still voice their opinion, even after the 30-second timeout. All I did was blow my whistle, boop, boop. That coach looked at me because, you know, that's what I, when the whistle blows, people look what's going right. on, right? That coach looked at me and I said, uh, Coach, you're out of timeouts. And their head cleared just for that second mm-hmm. so they could get back to what they needed to do, which was Coach 13. And we, we I never realized that even worked until I did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that's an opportunity because I'm still doing my responsibility. I'm slow and steady wins the race. Plus, I've also got the coach to focus on something besides their frustration with the lack of call or the call, whatever that might be. All those things helped just by slowing the game down a little bit. And just, a, you know, I call it a distraction. Just a little bit of a distraction is all we need. So, Well, then, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about some of these ordinary things that we can do extraordinarily well. You know, you made a comment at one of our other podcasts about sometimes it's important just to kind of go back to basics. Mm-hmm. I think you were talking about calm balls and strikes and, mm-hmm. you know, you miss a few pitches and, man, I want to go back to, to basics. You know, when we get into a tight ball game, it's not about doing something big and over the top, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not about achieving some new level of officiating. Mm-hmm. It, in some ways, is about going back to basics, doing those ordinary things that you're talking about. But I I love what you added there. It's about doing those ordinary things extraordinarily well. So first of all, what are some of those ordinary things? And then how do we do them in extraordinary ways? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is when we have a timeout, the ordinary thing is you go stand at your spots. So for a for those of you that may not be following basketball, if it's a full timeout, we're going to go stand at the block on the opposite side from where yeah. the teams are standing. And if it's a 30-second timeout, we're going to stand at the top of the key. Right. So we're, we're at our spots, but we want to be uncommon in what we're doing, right? We want to do our ordinary things well. Mm-hmm. Well, the ordinary thing is to go stand there. But now we need to make that even – we need to take that time to get the best out of our 30 seconds or a minute, whatever that is. So let's get together and talk. Let's take our time. And because just as I said before, not only players and coaches need a distraction, officials. Mm. Officials need that distraction. That's a great thought, Jeff. You know, because if I'm sitting here, all I'm doing is thinking to myself all these things, right? And did I miss that travel call just a few seconds ago? All those things, right? So if I can get some sort of distraction just for a few seconds, to clear my head and say, okay, don't remember, you know, don't forget. We want high certainty. We want, uh, you know, um, I, I call it hyper-focused. We want to be hyper-focused these last 60 seconds because a lot of things can apply. And uh, when we do those things, it, it just puts us, it almost feels like, whew, I I just talked to my crew. We're, we're all on the same page. I don't have to worry about what Chad's thinking or Jeff's thinking. We've discussed it all, even though it is only in 30 seconds. And, you know, the phrase I like to use is I've never seen one, someone get to the postseason because I stood at the correct spot at timeouts. You know, well, listen, they're all standing underneath the, at the blocks, at the low blocks for a full timeout. So let's send them on to the next mm-hmm. next round. They're the going to work the final four because they know where to stand at yeah, a timeout. No one cares about it. No That's one. Right. <laughs> so be uncommon in those situations and be uncommon in – and your opportunities to 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 recap what needs to be recapped, and to uh, I don't want to say predict the future, but you know, be one step ahead of what the game's about to give you. All right. So, just to make sure we're clear, then, wh- where would we stand while we're having that conversation? Yeah, we would stand where the basketball is going to be inbounded. So, whoever's going to be inbounding that ball, we want to stand there. And the crew will come to you. Mm-hmm. You know, anything short of it being inside of a team's huddle, we want to be in that that area, right? If it's yep. if it's across the floor at the division line, then that's where we all should be standing and discussing those situations. Um, but obviously, we don't want to. Hey, screw over, coach. I'm supposed to stand here. That's 
not very good. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, when we talk about doing ordinary things extraordinarily well, one of the cool things is, is that you don't have to be the crew chief on your crew to encourage that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you're the one that's supposed to be at the, at the furthest spot from where that inbound is going to be. And we go to timeout and we start the clock. Man, you can just be jogging over and, you know, wave your partner over and just end up there. Nobody's going to second guess that. Nobody's going to question it. And it's a way that you can kind of lead up. You know, if, if, if the crew chief hasn't already called you over, go over. And you can say, hey, man, I just, man, this is this big moment. I just, I want to make sure that, that I'm on the same page with you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, what, whatever you need to be. But that's a great way to lead up as an official, if that's not already being laid out for you, the way you can be uncommon mm-hmm. is to is to initiate that kind of conversation. And, and I know you mentioned a couple of things that, that you would talk about in moments like that. What's the real point, though, of getting together and having that conversation? Is, is it about being reminded what we are or aren't going to call? Or is it about being reminded of a game situation? Or is there something bigger to it than that? Yeah, I don't know if they're I think it's more about um aiming for that excellence in this last minute. Mm-hmm. And you know, the last time we talked about excellence maybe would could have been 2 hours ago in our pregame. Mm-hmm. So this is a reminder. Hey, just just a reminder, not even 120 minutes ago we were sitting in the locker room talking about how we want to perform this day mm-hmm. and let's use this time to refresh our memory to go this is what we signed up for this is what we were looking for you know this is what we were hoping for when we were in the locker room so yep. here we are this is our chance to be excellent and let's remind ourselves about those things i mean i think this is you know not a not a perfect world mm-hmm. but as you talk about you know, waving your partner over from the length of the floor. Mm-hmm. If you're that person who's coming from the length of the floor, I if I'm that person, I'm going to use every second to prepare for that conversation to when I get to that spot. Mm-hmm. Not, am I going to be rolling my eyes like, oh, what do they want now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to, uh, right away, I'm thinking of questions I might want to ask. I want to make sure... I'm thinking of things I hope they cover. I'm thinking of all those things to when I get there. Yeah. And then when I get there, you know, pocket the information, hold mm-hmm. on to it. Maybe the crew chief or if you are the crew chief, whatever that goes. But, you know, maybe someone will bring that up in the conversation. If it doesn't, then you pull it out of your pocket and go, hey, okay, don't forget we're under a minute now, so we can't have the option to advance. And let's make sure there wasn't a pass or a dribble or whatever that might be. So, Use those opportunities. I mean, we only get we only get certain moments to um, to shine mm-hmm. during these tight tight ball games, and this is one of them. We have an opportunity to shine silently from the ninety foot run from one end of the floor to the other. No, I like that. You know, a- another ordinary thing that happens, and and obviously leading out of the communication that you were just talking about with crew is that there's other people we need to be communicating with as well, mm-hmm. especially in a ball game like this where you're talking about there's a chance that we may have advancements, we may have other stuff going on. Um, you know, when it comes to communication with a table crew mm-hmm. in a in a tight ball game like this, what, what are some tips you have for us there? Well, first thing is, is I think it, it a must is to learn their name. Mm. You know, get, you know, figure out who they are. Well, that doesn't happen in the last fifty nine nine. Right. You so gotta, when does that happen? Yeah, you got to do that before the game, right? Before we, you go over and check the book, or, or you know, maybe you're sitting there waiting for the national anthem to start up, whatever that may be. Take time to introduce yourself. Take time to figure out who they are and um, just learn a little bit about their name and try to remember that. You may not, you may not remember it, and some people just aren't good at that, and that's fine. But at that effort will go a long way in that now we're in the tight spot of the ball game and this scorekeeper goes, yeah, I just spoke to Jeff, you know, two hours ago and he was super nice to me. And so now he's going to come over and give me some difficult information and I'm going to, you know, or give me some hard information that I don't know how to document and I'm going to feel comfortable asking him more questions 
that's what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's those are things that we need. Um, it's it's imperative that if we don't have that, when that tight moment comes, that scorekeeper, that clock operator, whatever that is that is not basically the three, they very easily could help you mm-hmm. or sink your ship, one sure. or two. So, and I, I think that's that's just a simple simple task to be, and we I feel like we should do that in regular life, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I know that I'm going to be dealing with a, a substitute teacher throughout the day, well, I'm not going to wait until it's last hour, and I know the substitute teacher's got the toughest class in last hour. It's a bunch of eighth graders that are crazy kids that I am going to, oh, yeah, by the way, what's your name again? Yeah, these kids are going to be nuts, right? I want to know that. I want to learn that name, Susie or Billy or whatever his name is, a substitute. And then that way, if I got to show up again in the last hour, we've already got a connection. And, you know, uh, a lot of times we go work places where we're very familiar with table crews. We've we've seen them over and over. There, there are times we may be someplace new or we may see somebody new there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great time to re-communicate as we're approaching these moments. Hey, guys, any questions as we get close to the end of the game? You know, it, it may be that clock operator's very first time running the clock. And just that little reminder, hey, under 59.9, we're going to stop that you know, on, uh, on made basket or, you know, little things like that can be super helpful. Um, the place I was working at last night had a brand new shot clock and the shot clock system is separate from their regular clock system. And so it created a couple challenges there. And so we just communicated that, uh, early on. So that way, if there was an issue later in the game, we knew how to deal with it. Um, one thing that, that I found really helpful lately in, in these tight games, like I said, I've had a bunch of them. Hmm. So I've had lots of practice here and have gotten it wrong every bit as much as I've gotten it right. But one of the things that, that I'm learning to do is that those, those people sometimes get just as nervous, Mm. if not more nervous than the people on the court. Yes, yes, yes. Because they realize that that button push and stop or whatever, like that could be the difference in a game, Mm. you know, is there, is there 0.6 seconds left or is there 0.2 seconds left? Well, that's a big difference in how you end a ball game, mm-hmm. right? And and they begin to get amped up. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've started doing recently when, when it's been my position on the crew to do so, I'll find an opportunity towards the end of a tight ball game like that where I'll be at the table. I'll say, man, I am so glad we have you guys as part of our team tonight. Mm-hmm. Because what I've done there is I have identified them as belonging with us. So it's no longer the home table crew. It's no longer, you know, whatever. Hey, you guys are a part of us and we are going to get through the end of this thing together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's an ordinary thing that we can do in a little bit of an extraordinary way. Yeah. You know, even as we, as we talk back and forth about this, I even find myself at halftime, if I'm the crew chief and I go to the table, you know, I'll tell the clock keeper, man, you nailed that first half. Good job. Mm-hmm. I'll tell the scorekeeper, you know, perfect eye contact. Things like that that are going to, re, you know, rejuvenate them or re-engage them. You know, and like, okay, Jeff's rooting for me. Mm-hmm. Chad's rooting for me. So that that's how we get the best out of people. Yeah. And we don't get the best out of people going, I hope you switch the arrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. You know, you need to start looking at me more or whatever that might be. So that way when you got to show up in a in a one point ball game with a minute to go, you can go over and communicate with them and you were just nailing. It. I can't believe you stopped that clock right as that basket th- right as that ball cleared the basket. So yeah. that's that's just great stuff. So that's what's going to get us now we got more people on our side, right? We're not, not only at the 3, we've got the 3 or 4 or sometimes 5 or 6 people at the table that are willing to help in any way they can. That's right. Just by saying a little vote of confidence, a compliment in passing, basically, yeah. they will get us through that. But what makes that uncommon from from our perspective as officials is that, again, we got to be thinking outside ourselves. Mm-hmm. If the only thing we're concerned about is us three, mm-hmm. you know, or on a baseball field, two or three or four or six or however many we're working with, right? Right. If all we're ever concerned about is just us, 
then we fail to understand how what we do affects others and how what they do affects us. And sometimes then the person that we cut off at the knees is ourselves. Yep. Because now it's harder to get that information that we need. Or they're more defensive when we go over and try to change a clock. Mm-hmm. You know, now they see it as we're saying they did their job wrong. No, we just had visual information that was different. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what we need to have happen right now. Well, so, it's no different than the baseball. You know, I, I coach baseball, right? And I'm asking a kid to lay down a bunt mm-hmm. so I can get them over to second base. So my number three hitter can come up and, you know, always almost always get the base hit and could score the run. You know, it's, it's the, as I tell my kids all the time, it's we before me, Sure, we before me. And if we can take that into our basketball games, the last minute of our basketball games, even our nine to five job, if we can do we before me getting up, getting up is a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I've heard you use the phrase uh, multiple times. We need to look through the the tops and the bottoms of our eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think what you mean by that is that it's not, we can't just have tunnel focus on one thing. We, we've got to see big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of it has to do literally with vision mm-hmm. on the court. But mm-hmm. some of it is also just moments like this. We have to be thinking big picture. So um, trail in a half court setup might be the one closest to hear a coach call timeout, but it actually might be see across court that has the easier time identifying mm. that that coach wants a timeout. Yep. And you know, I've been in big arenas watching games where it was quiet at the end of the game because you put 600 people in an arena like that and it's just not that loud. Right. And so you can hear everything. Mm-hmm. I have been in junior college gyms with 12 people in there outside the players mm-hmm. where it's so loud you can't hear because it's a metal building or a concrete box right. and everything's reverberating. And, and there's a coach almost yelling in your ear, time out, time out, time out, time out. And, and you, you can't identify that. Mm-hmm. But that person across the court can identify that. Yeah. And some of that is game awareness, knowing that that's something they may or may not want, especially under a minute when there's a chance to advance or things like that. But I think that's, again, an ordinary thing. Using all of our senses, using all the information at our disposal, because calling a timeout with 12 seconds left is different than calling a timeout with nine seconds left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, And if yeah. it takes us three seconds to process that and do it, we've just taken three seconds away from a potential game-ending play or whatever it might be. And I'm even going to take it a step further by saying – if, if a coach calls timeout at 12 seconds and it takes us three or four seconds to realize it, that means they probably had to say timeout more than once. Mm-hmm. It could be four or five times. So what is the coach thinking? i tell you what the coach is thinking. This official isn't listening to me. Mm-hmm. Whether you've been communicating with this coach all night long, it takes them three times for they get him timeout. This, this official is not listening to me. And that's mm-hmm. his or her job is to listen to me when they do that. And they're asking for timeout, whether because they, they, they don't care if it's the official standing right next to them or if it's the one standing 80 feet away that sees the timeout, they only see us as one official. And when the person standing next to them misses that timeout, as far as they're concerned, the whole crew missed it. That's right. So if you see it, you see them call a timeout, you know, or you're able to recognize that. Why wouldn't you give the timeout, especially in a high, intense moment? Yeah. You see them asking for timeout. You can read their lips. You can see what they're doing. And then meanwhile, your center official who's right next to the coach can't hear it, can't, can't even realize that it's happening because maybe there's a one-on-one matchup that they're trying to referee, all those things. So do it as a crew. Mm-hmm. Not just oh well that listen he he or she didn't get that timeout it's not my fault I'm over here so that one's on you I think um, that's our I forget the phrase you use but I mean that's the that's what we want to do the we before me there yeah absolutely so as we you know I've kind of taken a look at what it means to work these tight games you know most of us will work at least one of these over the course of the season and some of us like me have mm-hmm. already worked a dozen of them just uh, so you know I've checked my work. schedule you're not on it oh, so praise okay. <laughs> praise God you are a fortunate <laughs> fortunate man that you don't have that hanging over your shoulder 
I apologize to guys like Raleigh and John, other people that have to work <laughs> with me later today. Who knows what we're going to experience? No. Um, here's the here's the thought that that I have as as we begin to to kind of put a bow on this. You you made the statement: slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not about us dictating the pace of the game. It's about us dictating how we do those things that allow people to breathe within the context of the game. Mm. You know, we're not going to change a a fast break team into a half court offense. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about in those moments where we can just allow people to breathe. We do that. Um, We know that one of the reasons we want to be slow and steady like that is because it's easy to miss the little things when big things are huge. You know, when those things are, are so big and we're looking for that stuff and uh, we never want to let those little things slip through the cracks, whether that's a possession arrow, whether that's inbounding to the right team, mm-hmm. whether it's missing a timeout call mm-hmm. or a chance to advance or whatever those things might possibly be. We want to, in those in those big moments, we want to be slow and steady and not miss those little things. And then we need to understand that each and every one of us have a role. Um, and this is something that I don't think we've ever talked a lot about, but I think it might be a really great reminder for us today as we begin to wrap this up. Um, you know, we talked about you know, people at the table, they each have a role and they, mm-hmm. they've each got a job. Um, a lot of times we make this statement when we walk out onto a basketball court, hey, uh, once we get out there, there's no R, U, 1, U, 2. We're all R's. We're all referees. Mm-hmm. It's our job to go call a game. That is absolutely accurate. But there are responsibilities that we have in those different positions. In the same way on a, on a baseball diamond, what the base umpire is responsible for is different than what the plate umpire is responsible for. And that's not just during live play. It's during dead ball. There are times when the, the plate umpire is supposed to be caring about lineups and and changes and what's going on with the pitcher and the catcher and the the base umpire is checking to see what's happening at in the outfield and people coming in and out and things like that. Um, we, we just have different responsibilities from time to time. And the R, the U1, and the U2, we don't talk about this a ton, but we have responsibilities on the court. Um, for those of you that aren't as familiar, um, the U1 is responsible for the home team. Mm-hmm. The U2 is responsible for the visiting team. Right. And the one time that we see that is during pregame warmups. Those officials stand on that side of the court and watch. And they're looking for everything from infractions that shouldn't take place um, to simple things like, you know, do we have jewelry out? Do we have the right, you know, sleeves being worn? That kind of stuff that we all love enforcing every time Mm. we go out to to work a game, right? True. Um, But it goes beyond that. Um. You know, we're we're going to halftime in a tight ball game. You know, it, it's a tie ball game, and we're going to halftime, and those two teams are crossing mm-hmm. to go to their respective locker rooms. Uh, if I'm the U2, I want my eyes on the visiting team. Because now if, if somebody, somebody shoves somebody with a shoulder, mm-hmm. somebody mouths off, somebody does whatever, it, it may be as simple as, hey, just a quick little vo- verbal warning about, some, hey, let's, let's knock that off, whatever. Or it may be something as serious as, oh, there's something we have to adjudicate here because right. we're still on the court. We, we still have to have control of this situation. Um, you know, the R in those moments, the R is making sure that we're good with the book right now and that that arrow has changed and that, you know, we have all the information necessary for what's going to happen in the second half. The U1 is responsible for the home team. As we approach the end of the game, if we go into overtime, we've got a similar kind of thing that's going to happen. we got teams that are going to separate and go to benches. Mm-hmm. That R is going to go over to the table and make sure that we're set. We have the right time on the clock for the overtime. We Everybody knows what we're doing here at the end of the game, that we're getting that additional timeout. You know, whatever those things might be, according to the, the, the rules as they're written, um, but you one and you two still have responsibilities. And when we understand that we are all part of a crew being successful, then it makes us all better. Well, you know, it's the spoke in the wheel analogy, right? Everyone is a spoke in the wheel. 
but if one spoke bends or breaks, the other spokes will support that broken or bended spoke until mm-hmm. it gets fixed. Sure. I just said spoke a lot. <laughs> but that's I mean that's the analogy, right? So if mm-hmm. if if whatever, we'll just say in your situation the U one is watching the home team and the U two is watching the visiting team and their their R is going to switch the arrow. Mm-hmm. If the R, whatever whatever reason, forgets to switch the arrow, that other spoke will say, "Hey, I can support you here and make sure the arrow gets switched." Yep. That's what we should be doing as we move throughout the game, mm-hmm. as we move throughout our season, and even as we move throughout our regular nine to five job. You are a spoke in the wheel that is there to help support when other spokes get bent or broke. And again, those are just the little things mm-hmm. that can get missed when big things become huge. Yep. That's exactly right. And it's what allows us to be uncommon in the way we approach the game, to be uncommon in the way that we approach life, and as we are uncommon in our drive towards success. Yeah, I wanna I wanna add this. And I know we've already had, you know, we've told you about, you know, give us a five star rating. You email us with any questions and all this stuff. But I'm going to challenge you. When you're listening to this podcast, what did you do uncommon today? And let us know about that. Let us send us an email. Put it on our review. This is is what I'm doing uncommonly that, that no one else is doing or that... Maybe some people do think it's common, but you it's uncommon to you because I've never done this before. Whatever that may be, what are you doing? And I want you to let us know because for a couple of reasons. If you're doing something that is uncommon and I don't know about it, then I want to try it. Mm-hmm. I want to try it. I want to see what it feels like. As long as it's not cold showers, I'm with you. Too. Oh, bro. <laughs> it's not <laughs> right. okay. So take out the cold showers. That's fine. <laughs> but do something uncommon, whether that's in officiating or in your nine-to-five job or with you know your your grandparents, if you're doing something uncommon, let us know about it because I it'd be great to share that good news. We could have a whole episode of these are all the uncommon things that people are doing, and we would love to hear about that. Absolutely, a great way to reach out to us there is uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you about how you're having your uncommon drive to success. Mm. Have a great day, guys. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.